0: Greetings, everybody. Welcome uh, to the Godcast. I believe this is our first episode in a while. Of course, we have the Hinduism episode, which we recorded before. Not up yet, so this should be obviously up um, by the time we've uploaded the, the Hinduism episode. But certainly uh, the uh, the first episode in quite a while. I'm not counting that one. With that being said, we are joined today by a frequent guest, uh, Karina. She's been on our show four times now. Um, so by far, uh, like our most frequent frequent guest. Um, and obviously, I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Rylan. Uh, so with that being said, uh, this is, this is an in person interview. We're doing this right here in the home studio, um, and we'll be uh, the title of this episode is obviously LDS culture and folklore. So we're sort of stepping back from the theology and the history, and we're looking at more of the uh, like the culture and folklore as that um, implies, such as um, LDS uh, music and uh, various LDS like uh, folk tales and, and traditions, and traditions and things of that uh, nature. Um, so with that being said, uh, Rylan. You want to kick it off with the first question.
1: Our first question is, who are the three Nephites, and what are some popular stories about them?
2: Um, basically, before Jesus died, he asked his apostles, like, what do you want before I go? And all of them, but three, just said they wanted to, like, live to an old age, um, and then just die and, like, go to heaven. And then three of them decided they wanted to live forever, so... Um, he granted them that so that they could go through different generations and like be able to help people and then uh the names are not revealed and in third nephi chapter 28 it actually says like um he was gonna write the names but then he ended up not and one story that i heard it i mean it might not be like a three nephite but because um, they're not known to people but one story was that this guy had, like, a broken car part in, on the freeway and had to, like, pull over, and then this other guy came over and pulled over, and he opened his trunk, and he had, like, a full trunk of that one car part, which is, like, totally random and, like, no one would have, um, and then he gave him one and just, like, left, and so some people believe, like, that was a one of the three Nephites, but I feel like people who experience something with that they, like, keep it to themselves, I guess.
0: All right, so our next question is, um, what is LDS folk music, and what are some um, popular songs within uh, LDS uh, folk music?
2: Um, so this one was kind of a hard one for me because I haven't really thought about it, but when I think about, like, LDS, like, folk music, I think about the songs they sang, like the Saints sang when they were um, coming from the East to Salt Lake City, and one that's my favorite, it's in a lot of, like um church movies that relate to like the Saints like traveling and it's called Come Come You Saints.
0: Uh, yeah, I, that was another thing I, I wanted to ask. So like I know that it's, it's obviously like pioneer music, uh the LDS Pioneers uh coming over um from well from the east to uh to, to Utah. Um is there any is there is there any like modern equivalents of this as well or is it primarily like uh the music of the of the Pioneers?
2: Um I don't know. I feel like they all like sang it, but we still sing it now. So, I guess that's kind of cool.
0: Are there any like certain occasions uh, in which you sing uh, the music? Is it like during church, or is it, or, or is it during like uh, certain like holidays that we'll we'll get into later?
2: Okay, well, actually, there's this one activity that I've been to one time, and it's called trek. I don't know if you've heard of it before, but it's where um, the youth, just like in certain stakes and wards or whatever, they they go on like a three day journey wearing like pioneer clothes and then um, we sing songs and stuff like that so it was a really fun experience but
1: so how has LDS worship music evolved over time
2: um so when I was kind of learning about this one and asking my dad I just remembered that Emma Smith who was the prophet Joseph Smith's wife um she made a hymn book I think it had like 17 songs or something and she put, um, she just put some, like, wholesome songs in a hymn book for, like, the early saints to sing at church. And we still sing the same songs and more. So our hymn book is, like, 300 pages, I think. So, like, 290 songs or something like that. And I guess there are, like, it has evolved a little bit to where there are more, like, modern songs. But, like, there's a youth album that has go and do and peace in christ which are my favorites and they're just like in the youth album for music so
0: um so basically a uh, question i wanted to ask uh that, that pertains to this is i was once listed so i was listening to a podcast and the like uh, it was a radio uh show and was like hosted by uh like a latterly saint who lives in lives in utah and he was talking about how uh, like worship music as may have just been in general um has has evolved over time because i think someone was like might get the instrument wrong, but I think it was like someone in the earth, either the early 20th century or sometime in the 19th century was playing like a, a violin, and it was considered to be like like too informal for like worship music or, or something of that nature. Um, but now, obviously, we see in just like uh, mainstream contemporaneous uh, non-denominational churches, we see almost like you know uh, like rock music sort of being played. So I, I was wondering. Um, like, what instruments are used um, to play um, the LDS church music, and then not only that, but is it, like, is it more formal music, or is it, uh, or is it more, like, uh, like, more, like, pop, and more, like, uh, modern?
2: Um, Definitely at church, it's more formal, and um, basically, we sing a hymn at the beginning, and then before, we take the sacrament, and then at the end of the meeting, so, usually three hymns, sometimes one in the middle, but usually we sing three hymns. And we, there's just an organist, and that's pretty much it. So just everyone like sings from the congregation. On occasion, there is someone who plays like a violin piece or um, a really beautiful like piano piece with no one like singing to it, Um, just like in the middle of the meeting. So we don't do like, it's always like really peaceful and we try to do that
0: this uh this question um i'll just jump straight out with it did former lds apostles teach that cain is still alive and wanders the earth and the reason i asked this question is because i i believe that there are at least um two apostles i think believe one of them uh was a president uh who taught that um cain like wandered the earth in like almost like a, a bigfoot type uh body is that is that correct and uh if so um like how does like uh what's that what's that uh how does that whole idea play out
2: um basically i we don't really talk about it that much because it's just like i don't know not as important but we believe that he does wander the earth and i I think it's in like genesis where it like talks about it but um because just because he was cursed for killing his brother so And just like you said, some people believe he's like Bigfoot. So I just think that's funny because, I mean, maybe, maybe not. It's just like interesting.
0: I, believe, I heard when someone who's I believe, president of the church mentioned that idea, Bigfoot sightings went up in, uh, in, in Utah, so I thought that, that was kind of interesting. More and more people, I guess, like, went out to, to maybe uh, look for um, him. Maybe he was there, maybe he wasn't, but just, just sort, of a, sort of an interesting uh, idea.
1: The next question is, what is Pioneer Day, and what are other important LDS or LDS-related holidays?
2: So, basically, it's on July 24th, and it just marks the day when like, the Saints finish their travels to salt lake city and i've never really celebrated it uh i know in utah a lot of people do around salt lake city like i think we lived there one year in utah and we like did fireworks so i guess that was the one time i celebrated it but that's the pretty much the only holiday like about the saints who like traveled but we celebrate like christmas and easter and because they represent like christ's birth and death so and we celebrate all holidays too
1: As a linguist, um, other languages and alphabets have always been interesting to me. So when I discovered that the LDS Church at one point had its own alphabet, I thought that was really interesting. So what is the Deseret Alphabet and why was it created? And also, how was it implemented?
2: So this was one of the ones that I'd like never heard about. So I was like, interesting. And then I learned about it in the actually like the gospel library, like the LDS like site. And it showed a picture of the, the language, and I just thought it was really cool. But it, it was just basically a way to simplify English, because a lot of scholars just thought it was way too hard and annoying. Um, and it would make it easier for children and non-English speaking people to be able to learn it. And it was also made to help unite the saints and, like, overcome language barriers. So how it was implemented, it, it started being taught in schools, like in the area, but it didn't last very long so but it was still cool
1: uh next question is we've talked about this before but but it is oh but it is still really interesting what is the adamic language and will it be restored before the second coming
2: so it's basically just like the language spoken in heaven from what i've learned and there are only a few words that we know and we basically just don't really know a lot about it i feel like i don't know unless there's more research and stuff
0: uh yeah like I, I remember reading somewhere that it was actually uh, spoken like in the early days of the LDS church in like in temples which I thought was very interesting and, and then also uh, Ron and I we were on the Wikipedia page of the uh, of the desert alphabet for, for quite a long time uh very very fascinating and uh, we learned that like uh, to some scholars have argued that it's sort of like a um, a derivation of like um of Coptic, which is obviously um, basically the last ancient Egyptian language, as well as uh, perhaps some other uh, ancient Near Eastern languages. So just something interesting to add on to there. So with that being said, our next question, we sort of answered this by, uh, in, in previous episodes, but I, I, think it's, I think it's very interesting to sort of come back to. Uh, why do Latter-day Saints study their genealogies, and what are some interesting findings uh, you yourself uh, have discovered uh, while doing this?
2: Um, basically we learn about our ancestors and like study our genealogies to like learn about what they did. Cause it's just really interesting. Like I was, the other day I was looking through a photo book of my great uncle who is not doing so well, well, um, physically. Uh, and it was just really cool to see like what he did when he was younger and stuff like that. And the main reason that we study our genealogies and go through our family tree is to make sure that um, everyone is like sealed to their families because we believe that families can be together forever. So um, we also believe that the dead can't do ordinances themselves and that we have to do it for them. So that's the main reason.
0: Yeah, I know that, like, um, there's obviously these huge genealogy companies. I know that, like, at least one of them is affiliated with with the LDS Church, so I thought that was something um, quite interesting uh, to mention in regards to um, that. Have you used, like, a genealogy server? Because if I I understand correctly, like, missionaries will uh, do a lot of work with that. They'll, they'll op- operate those databases so have you have you used like a, a, a server like that to study genealogy genealogy other than you know obviously looking at like family records that, that you possess like for example you said your, your great uncle's uh, photo album have you have you looked like an electronic um electronic genealogy database and if so like are, are there just any any interesting things that have like surprised you uh through looking at that like oh i didn't know i was i don't know my ancestors came from this place or they uh, did this here anything just interesting like that
2: Um, yeah. So on my phone and just like on the computer, there's a thing called family tree and it just shows me like my ancestors all the way. Just like I can see just like so many of my ancestors and stuff on my parents' side, on both my parents' sides. And it's really cool because, um, there's a lot of times when they have like a billion kids and I'm like, oh my goodness, that's a lot or something like that. But I just like, going through there and there's also this thing called find my relative where you can do it on the app or the like online and you can see how you're related to someone it's like we could see like how we're related or something it's probably like lots of cousins removed and stuff but it's interesting
0: that right there sounds like hours of, of lots lots of fun right there uh, studying that um with that being said um I lumped all these questions in the one thing because I was I was just fascinated like because I, well, I was fascinated by like why is this not done in uh L, in the in the LDS uh, practice um, so basically why is uh, alcohol forbidden in the LDS church uh, why are coffee and tea prohibited and then why does the LDS church um, oppose uh, gambling?
2: So for this one, those first three, the alcohol, coffee, and tea are basically in the Word of Wisdom, and it's it's made for us to be. Um, it's just guidelines well and rules for us to be healthy spiritually and physically so we believe that coffee and like some teas and alcohol don't really they don't benefit us so we don't drink them and we're also not recommended to drink anything that's addictive so if you drink like a Mountain Dew every single day or something like that it's not very healthy so it's not recommended to, to do that either. And the word of wisdom is just about being healthy. And then gambling is basically the idea that you put, like, nothing in and you get a ton. And it's so hard to, like, actually win when gambling. Um, and it's very addictive. I would know. Wait. Um, sometimes. And you, people spend money that they should be spending on different things. And it can hurt themselves and their families and, st- and stuff like that.
1: As of this recording, today is March 23rd, and in a little more than a week, it will be time for the annual Spring General Conference. What is the Spring General Conference? Who attends it? What is its history in the church? How does it differ from the Fall General Conference? And have you, family, or friends ever attended it? If so, what was it like? So,
2: basically, we have an organization in our church, and it's the prophet, and then he has two counselors, and then 12 apostles, and then there's just like... um, members of the 70 and then area 70, and it like goes lower and lower. And for general conference, the first 15 always speak to us and then additional um, members as well. And the spring and fall sessions are pretty much the same. They just like teach different things. And I think they can choose their own topics just on what they think we need to hear. And basically it's like 10 hours. It's um, Saturday and Sunday. And the session on Saturday is at least in like, not this area, but in like Salt Lake City where it's held. It's from 10 to 12 and then two to four and then six to eight on Saturday. So here it'd be like an hour earlier, but on Sunday it's from 10 to 12 and then two to four. And it's really cool because it's translated in like a hundred different languages and basically the leaders just tell us what they think that we need to hear so it's also super hard to get tickets for conference um, pretty much unless you live in Salt Lake City because there's I think there's like 20,000 spots in the general conference center that people can go which means there's five sessions so about a hundred thousand different people can go to those but we were going to go April 2020, like the April 2020 session, and then COVID hit, so we couldn't go. Like, we had the tickets in hand. We tried to get – so we're going to be in Salt Lake City next weekend, and we tried to get tickets for that, but we just can't. Like, we could maybe get it in the within, like, the next four sessions. Like, it's just really backed up. So we've always wanted to go, but we can't. But we do watch it online every single time.
0: Um. So I had, like uh- – two things um let's see oh yeah what is the actually I'll, I'll do the historical thing first so I was I was reading um the the King Follett... nah I've read okay maybe I maybe read like part of a paragraph of it but um I read like I was reading a bit of the King Follett discourse which was a uh a um speech given by Joseph Smith at um one of there was an elder named like King Follett who fell into a well and uh, died and then Joseph Smith was giving a uh, like a, like a, um, a speech at his funeral um which i believe coincided with the um the general conference um that that he held like under under him and then obviously it just con- continued uh, up until today and there was like a, an, an incredible amount of people there like i i, th- I think it was Okay, it was somewhere between like ten thousand and forty thousand. I think, if I remember correctly, it was like a it was a ton of people. It was at least ten thousand people, and this was obviously when the church was in its, in its infancy. So I I I think it's interesting how how many people attended it even um, back then. Um, and am I, am I correct that like what's the what's the occupancy for the um, for the um, the structure in which the um, the general conference is held?
2: So I actually looked that up, and it was like twenty one thousand or so, I think, because recently, well, like a few years ago, it was moved from a smaller building into a new, like, general conference center, and it's like really big.
0: Yeah, it's actually the largest. Um, I think it's, I think it's like one of the three largest, like, uh, like Christian meeting places on on earth. Um, which is obviously incredibly impressive um and then how does this talk to- like what is the topic of this um of this um particular uh, conference
2: so i feel like there aren't really um certain like themes or topics for each conference but a lot of the times um apostles and like the prophets speak on like missionary work and other like guidelines or like a new like guideline book for the youth came out either six months ago or a year ago in that session so sometimes there are like big announcements but there's like a lot of things happen at conference
0: we talked about this a bit in a previous uh interview but I think it's still worth elaborating on uh what are some LDS pilgrimage sites and I remember that you said that you and your family um went to some of them so like what was that uh, experience like
2: so there are a lot of sites along like north the northern side of America just like in the east and it pretty much started in Palmyra Pennsylvania when like Joseph Smith had the first vision so we got to go there we got to see his like family farm and go in the sacred grove where he did have his first vision and then we also went to the Kirtland and Nauvoo temples and those were the first two built for the church but they they like after they built it they had immediately they had to immediately leave, and I don't think they're owned by the, um, the church. I think it's owned by another church, and we can't buy it, so it's sad. But um, we also went to the jails, the jail that he was uh, held in and then the jail that he died in too. and it was just really, like, spiritual, and I feel like we had a lot of good experiences. And I know there's tons more sites, like, along the Oregon Trail and just, like, where they went. So we haven't been to those, but we did go to the other ones.
0: I'm not super familiar with like um, geography in relation to LDS history, but did you go? Were, were some of the sites uh, in Nauvoo?
2: Um, yeah. So the second temple that they ever built was in Nauvoo, and right when they finished, they had to leave.
1: What are some funny or simply interesting LDS missionary stories that you know of?
2: Um. So I know a lot because my brother's currently serving a mission, so I get to talk to him every single Monday if I wanted to, because he gets to call. Um, and I have a few cousins that serve, and friends that are serving missions too. So, I think one that stood out to me was there was this guy who was following my brother, home, following my brother around for like an hour, and then my brother like went into a member's home to eat some dinner or something. And he came in, the guy, he just came in and was like, yeah, can I have some chicken? And he wanted raw chicken, like just a piece of raw chicken. And then they were like, sure. And he ate the raw chicken. So that was really weird. Um, but
0: so he just left after that?
2: I think so. Wow. Uh, it was really weird. It was really weird. There's also been lots of really scary instances too, which were interesting. But... um. Another thing was that there was one time he was teaching at someone's house, and the guy was, like, really drunk, and he was offering them his kittens, Um, but missionaries, they couldn't just, like, take kittens and take them home, so he was really mad. The guy was really mad at them, so that's another one.
0: I always feel like a really fascinated uh, podcast episode um if not even an entire podcast um if someone w- wanted to do it um i don't know how how, how you how this would this would uh, exist but it, it, i think it could be done It'd be very interesting would be like just missionary like horror stories or just like f- funny stories in general because i I, f- I feel like if you're if you're if there's fifty thousand people out there in the world right now doing missionary work there there's got to be some some very interesting stories um so that that would definitely be a fascinating podcast and then also uh, so for our club, um, which is now basically defunct, but we're trying to get um, a debate up sometime soon or a presentation up sometime soon uh, we invited or uh, Joseph who you, we he was on um oh, yeah. yeah yeah we had um interviews with him he like invited some missionaries to come in and talk to us and uh, one guy said that his fellow missionary friend accidentally lit his hands on fire um which is uh pretty pretty wild um, so I thought that was an interesting story to share in regards to that all right next question definitely a fascinating question maybe not super maybe this is more of a theological question but I still thought it was interesting to ask um so this is actually um I was listening to this uh, actually same LDS podcast host who I told you about earlier I was listening to uh, his podcast um episode uh, like this summer um because I just sort of like listen to random stuff sometimes on and off and he said that there there was this LDS couple who made a documentary of interviewing people who had experiences with i guess people in the pre-mortal existence maybe some in some cases like near death experiences but um th- things sort of in line with that and, and and i i wanted to ask the question can people in the pre-mortal existence interact with people in this world um and and if and if so how and then what are some examples of this
2: so yeah i think that is possible um in the scriptures i think In the Book of Mormon, um, Jesus appeared to Nephi um, before he, like the day before he was born, to say, "Like I'm coming to the world." Like basically, that he was going to come the next day. So I think it can happen. So that was one like example. But a lot of the times, people just like keep the experiences to themselves. I know my dad. um, He had an experience where my uncle Brady or where my grandma saw my uncle Brady before he was born or something before she had him. So yeah, that was interesting.
0: This is something I heard from um, that podcast and then also like another podcast as well. And is it true that some, some children like like choose their parents Is, is that, is that correct?
2: Oh, so I'm not sure about this one because I feel like there are so many, like, theories. Um, Like, my parents even, like, think different things too or just, like, that we were already chosen as families or that we aren't chosen as families. I feel like we are chosen as families, though, in in the premortal existence before we come down. But we really don't know.
1: The penultimate question... Who are some well-known Latter-day Saints?
2: So I picked a few that you guys might know. Do you follow, like, the NFL? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, Andy Reid, the head coach of the Chiefs, he's a church member, um, and there are other, like, football players just because they're famous, so, like, you might know them. But um, there's also this lady um, called Lindsey Sterling, and she's a famous violinist, so if you ever look her up, she's really cool. Uh, we actually, I work at this one place and she did a concert there. So I got to see her. Um, and then this other girl, have you seen The Greatest Showman?
0: I, I, I'm so out of touch. I, I don't watch NFL. I haven't seen The Greatest Showman. <laughs>
2: I'm so sorry. Oh, okay. Well, the one who sang, not the actress, but the one who actually sang Never Enough, yes, the song. Yes, yes. She's a church member too. So those were the few noticeable ones that I found.
0: Also Mitt Romney. Uh, Mitt
2: Romney? Yes. Oh, I knew that.
0: Yeah, Mitt Romney. Um, also, a guy who I look up to a lot personally, uh, Jay Willard Marriott. Very cool guy. Founded the Marriott or Marriott Hotels. Um, he was born in 1900 in the Marriott Settlement in Utah, and uh, it's, it's an incredible success story. He he went to um, he was he was on a mission in like Washington D.C. Um, he he was like, oh, it's getting hot out, and then he went to an A and franchise and got some root beer there and then uh he went back home and he was like "Ah, oh, you know i should like buy some of these and then not only that but like what if um these things operated all year round so he kind of like um he kind of started getting into the in, into uh the restauranteering into the, the the uh the restaurant business um and he opened up a variety of and franchise and franchises so in the talk here and i think these things called um like hot shops or something like that so they they would serve i guess stuff um in the um they would, they would serve food and refreshments in the summer as well as in the winter um, and then he sort of expanded to like airplanes where he, he, let's back up he he got his food like exported to airplanes um, um, so he got like hooked up with the airplane companies and then he started to or the airlines and then he started to um, expand into hotels Um. so so that is, is someone who uh, was part of the LDS Church um, who was incredibly successful um, in business Um. yeah and then obviously a lot more people as well all right All right, last question is, do you want to be a a missionary? And if so, what will that be like?
2: So, yes, I do want to be a missionary. I've been planning to do that for a long time. Um, For girls, you have to be 19, and for guys, you have to be 18. So I don't know if you knew that already, but it's interesting. Um, Basically, it's going to be hard because a lot of the times, like if you go foreign, you have to learn a new language, of course. Um, But I also know it'll be super fun. Like there's so many experiences that... It's just like going on a two-year, or for girls, one and a half year, like trip. Just like doing what you love, I guess. Um, and I don't know anyone ever in my life, at least, who has regretted going on a mission. Even if they aren't church members now, they still like thought it was super useful for like um, like their skill, their people talking skills, as well as if they learned a new language, it's incredibly useful. Um, but I'll be going. Like each each mission is different by a little bit. Like there's different rules and stuff. Like some you get a car, some you don't. But I'll most likely be going like door to door with a companion and just like preaching a little bit.
0: Um, two uh, sort of uh, things to add on to that. Um, you said that um, every basically everyone has has not regretted going on a mission and it's been very helpful for like life skills and. So a while ago, I saw this article, um, and it had like a picture of Bill Gates. Was, I think it was clickbait. Bill Gates is not uh, a member of the LDS Church, but it said, "It said uh, why are Mormons uh, so good at business?" And I clicked on it, and I was like, "This is an interesting article." And, and they said that actually a lot of this is because of, um, I mean, or at least, uh, at least um, from the perspective of the of the author, the reason that that um, some high up business people who are part of the LDS church were um, successful is at least in part because of the leadership skills that they learned in the like seminary training. Like they, they'd have to develop uh, interpersonal skills and they'd have to go through is it something like 10 hours of training or is it, or is it a lot more than that?
2: Like before you go on a mission. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So there's usually uh, six weeks um, in the missionary training center. So it's a lot um, especially for like learning languages, but recently they've been doing two weeks online and then four weeks at the missionary training center. So it is a lot, but it's really useful.
0: Yeah, it was like what I read was like because of the because of the intensity of the program and because of the interpersonal skills that were learned. Um, like um some uh, letter letter saints who like went into business were able to apply these um to business, which I thought was really interesting. Um, so it obviously is. Uh, the track record does seem to be that it's super useful, um, both obviously in a missionary context and just in, in life in general. Um, and then secondly, I wanted to um, ask, like, uh, um, where do you um, want to serve as a missionary? Um, do you get to like put in a recommendation for that, um, or sorry, a, a like a request, like I want to serve here? Um, and then uh, where do you think um, you you will be serving if you, um, if you if you know that?
2: So I'm really hoping to serve Portuguese-speaking and not in America. Because I know you can get Portuguese speaking in America, but it's different because you really won't learn the language if you're in America. Um, So like Brazil or Portugal or like there are some African countries that speak Portuguese and stuff like that. But I think you can put in like a recommendation. I know like the stake president, like just of your like area of a few wards can also put in a recommendation. Um, But something I'm working on since I really want to go to like Brazil is I'm getting my brazilian documents to because technically i'm a brazilian citizen since my mom is from brazil um so i'm getting tons of brazilian documents and stuff like that so that i can add those to my paperwork so i have a higher chance of getting there so i guess we'll see
0: thank you so much everyone for tuning in um and thank you karina for um allowing us to interview you with that being said this has been the godcast i'm xavier
2: i'm Ryland, and i'm karina
0: and stay tuned